You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled to introduce you to Jennifer Menard Shand. She is the founder and CEO of Staff Shop, which I am so thrilled to dive into today. So, Jennifer, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me in my new baby girl that's on the way's room. Oh, I love it. I'm pregnant and due September 25th. So it could be any minute now, hopefully not during this podcast. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be an epic podcast for history to say like a live birthing on the show, a recording of a birth. My wife recently got a call from one of our neighbors down the road who couldn't get to the hospital. And so she, my wife went over and helped birth this baby in her bathtub with her on a surprise Tuesday morning. So, you know. That's amazing. It can happen. It can happen. So those that don't know Staff Shop, give us a summary of what it is. Give us kind of a, a, what does Staff Shop do? Yeah, so Staff Shop is Indigenous and women-owned. I'm proud to say I'm Indigenous, First Nations Ojibwe. We're a staffing solutions and resource firm. We operate in all 10 Canadian provinces, and we've got a couple of clients in the U.S. and the Caribbean, my favorite place. So I'm looking to expand the Caribbean. Essentially, we are sending out employees for hundreds of different clients in various sectors as employees on our payroll, and we're billing for them and or we're sending employees to work for our clients full time. That's the core of what we do, but we've got about eight service lines and focus on other resources as well, like HR consulting, payrolling services, speaking engagements, et cetera. That's incredible. So if I'm a business right now and I need either a temporary worker or a full-time worker, I can call you and say, hey, this is the type of person I need. Can you help me? Absolutely. And if you think of any department in your organization, we can staff it all. So it could be administrative positions, finance, IT, light industrial, hospitality, et cetera. Wow. And and how have you been able to do that? What did, what did kind of the, the birth of this company look like? Well, I grew up in hospitality working for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and I actually technically still work there on the side. Not right this second, but when it comes to the hockey games, basketball games and concerts, I do kind of spend a little bit of time there. Been there since 2008, and it's always provided fuel and connections for what I'm doing today. I made my mark in staffing between 2008 and 2018 with a company called The Bag Group, and they were a full-service staffing firm in the GTA. It was a family-owned business. Uh, They had been around since 1971. And so I held various positions there, um, mostly sales positions. And while I was there, I built the hospitality and event division based on my background. And so at the end of 2018, my old mentor and boss, Jeff Begg, allowed me to uh, purchase the division that I created as he was selling his company. And uh, I did. And I renamed it Staff Shop. And so it was amazing. Thank you. That's an amazing story. And okay, quick question. Are you a Raptors fan? I am a Raptors and a Leafs fan. <laughs> nice, nice. Very cool. Very cool. For sure. And, and so you got to, in a sense, kind of see a section of the company come out and then it's just become bigger and more national than, than it was ever in its beginning. Right. Well, I was always taught, you know, pick a niche and stick to it. And hospitality is fun because we get to staff flagship events like the Rogers Cup, the Honda Indy, Ride to Conquer Cancer, et cetera. But as you can imagine, I did pick that niche and then started expanding in 2019 quite a bit, almost across Canada. And then the pandemic closed the curtain on our niche pretty hard, March 2020. And so 
I actually went down to $0 in revenue for one week. That's how bad it was. Thank God we didn't stay there. But it was uh, it was a gift because it it really forced me to work on the business as opposed to in it. And it's something that my old boss used to tell me all the time, you know, Jen, you got to work on the business, not in the business. And so uh, the pandemic gave me that opportunity and uh, kind of reminded me to go back to my roots, which is being a full service staffing firm. There was no reason not to be a full service staffing firm. It's just, we had the infrastructure, the resources and everything. We had just chosen hospitality. And so um, hospitality is still my heart and clients are certainly trickling back in. Uh, but uh, now we, we're happy to say that uh, we've diversified and there's really not much that you can't come to us for. So good. That's amazing. And I think there's so much confusion about work from home, work from the office. What does the hybrid look like? How do I handle this? And I imagine you're right in there, right in the trenches, helping people walk through that. Yeah, definitely. I'm so blessed and lucky that I actually built the model to be remote prior to the pandemic. And it was, I thought the way of the future, some people thought I was nuts and they're like, how are you going to manage people? And, you know, I had this fancy office on Bay Street that was great, but would limit the amount of candidates that could work at a downtown office compared to across the country. So built that model before the pandemic and it were, it, it paid off because if we had offices across the country, uh, we would have been in big trouble during this time. And so that has really opened up the doors to be able to recruit and deploy people all over the place. And my team, even during the pandemic, was able to kind of travel and work wherever they wanted. I had one person in Costa Rica, another one in India, which wasn't the best idea, uh, but she ended up making it back. And I had another one in Florida. And uh, they really love that flexibility because we measure them based on results, not not by watching the clock. And I will continue down that path for sure. It's incredible. And one thing I got is about being Indigenous owned. And and there's some incredible, incredible Indigenous businesses right across the country. And I think, you know, this last couple of years have brought some light to the fact that, you know, Indigenous people are unique and have unique stories and, and are incredible at running businesses and, you know, with storytelling and, and creativity. So tell me about, you know, what you bring to the table and what that looks like being an Indigenous business owner. So proud because for the longest time, I didn't really connect with my Indigenous roots until later, I would say maybe late teens, and uh, have a bit of a tragedy to triumph story. And so long story short, I mean, parents got divorced when I was seven, everything was great until then. And then I ended up uh, living with my mother, and she ended up with a series of men that weren't great for her. But one in particular, my stepfather abused her for many, many years, physically, verbally, etc. And for a good period of my teens, I lived in a very kind of toxic environment. There was a lot of domestic violence and I spent majority of my time trying to save my mother from this man, did not succeed. And so that forced me to, at the time, kind of wander down some of my own dark paths. And I call them kind of typical suppression challenges that some Indigenous women especially face alcoholism and the abuse of all kinds. And I think, you know, for me, imposter syndrome also kind of set in at an early age. And so those are the types of things that that went on. And um, I'm not sure if it's because my mom just never talked about her Indigenous roots until later, but she ended up helping me reconnect and and really focus on on that piece of it. And maybe she was trying to keep us protected from the stereotypes or whatever it may have been. But I didn't actually claim my First Nations status, Ojibwe status, until later on. 
And so now, of course, working very hard to get out of that, well, I mean, to break those cycles, I love being able to share the story and use Staff Shop as a platform to, to help other Indigenous women, especially in business, succeed. So, Wow. So if I went to Staff Shop, would, the, would you say that there's a, a kind of a good leaning towards like some good Indigenous people that I could hire from Staff Shop? Yeah, I mean, there is and there isn't. And fortunately, the population is not that great in Canada. I mean, we're maybe three or four percent of the population. So and I would also say that I, I do a lot of talks on Indigenous truth and reconciliation. Some of the stats are surprising, like 50 percent of First Nations still live on reserves. 50 percent still will live off the reserve. But poverty is still our biggest issue. There's 630 something nations. 600 of them are still in poverty. So there's a lot of barriers to entry when it comes to the employment market and uh, could be as simple as just lack of transportation, access, lack of opportunity. Indigenous peoples will tend to triage um, the needs that they need for their family first before they take care of themselves. And so, yeah, I do a lot of talks on educating people about how difficult it is. But at Staff Shop, what we do is we've got a quarterly self-declaration survey whereby people can identify with different groups and we track those metrics to see what what percentage of our pool, employee pool, is Indigenous or female or, you know, the list goes on. And right now, I think we're at like 4.3% or so. And I think attraction is a little bit easier than retention. What we've noticed is sometimes uh, we will have those retention issues where you really need an Indigenous representative to work with the client to make sure that that person does feel comfortable and, and stays long term. So retention is the biggest issue. Wow. So you, you mentioned one piece of advice. So, you know, if, if someone was on site who kind of worked with the Indigenous person to kind of make sure they felt comfortable and they got set up, what are some other things that you kind of advise people on to say, hey, this is some ways to set people up for success to get Indigenous people working in your organization? Yeah, I would say definitely hire Indigenous speakers. Really good to come and educate your staff. I do, for example, like lunch and learns for an hour and I really load people with a lot of resources in the end that they can connect with organizations, lean on organizations that are specialists. We're certified members, for example, with CCAB, Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business, CAMC as well. We're certified with WEBE and other ones, but there's some organizations out there that have really great contacts. And this is where you will find all of the Indigenous kind of members that own so many different types of businesses. So if you're looking for Indigenous art or whatever it may be, or any kind of talent, really, you'll find them within those organizations. So I would say lean, lean on them for sure. That's great. And for you, you know, going through that really hard stuff, right? And, and I imagine it's made you who you are today. And what, what would you say? What, how has it made you and who you are and the way you run your company? It was quite the journey, I must say. Uh, when I left home, oh, I think it was like 18 years old, 2 a.m., packed my car, ended up in Toronto. So I grew up in Sudbury, uh, Northern Ontario. And I didn't move to Toronto until I was 20, but I remember seeing this as the land of opportunity. And if anything was going to happen for me, it would be here. And when I moved here, I worked very hard in hospitality, just put myself through school and took care of myself and was coming from a place, or I guess driven by fear, I would say, driven by fear and survival. It was very much in survival mode. And that typically usually turns you into a workaholic of some sort. And and work was everything to me. I, I really spent a lot of time on my work. And that gets you so far on the materialistic side of things. 
I ended up putting a lot of things on my vision board up until the age of 30. And a lot of them were things like a, a, you know, a six-figure salary or a certain sports car that I wanted to drive or vacationing around the world. And so I ended up getting all these things, but I was a little freaked out when I turned 30 and looked at my vision board and hadn't thought past that. And so luckily I met my mentor in 2008, Jeff Bag, the one who owned the staffing company. And I guess the lesson is just being open to those opportunities because he was a club member in the restaurant that I work at in the Scotiabank Arena now. And so it's called the Air Canada Club at the time. And my boss at the time would come to me and she had said, Jen, you know, you need to go make sure that this table is having a great time and, and fix the issues because this club member is upset. He came in, things didn't go well last time. And so just, you know, make sure he's he's happy before he leaves. And so Obviously, I made some sort of impression and he said, hey, did you ever think about working in staffing? And I didn't even know what a staffing firm was coming from a small town in northern Ontario. And so I had to Google it. And I remember blowing him off for a good year because I was in dental school at the time trying to follow the the mom's dream uh, or recommendation. And I graduated actually from dental school and worked in the field for three months until I realized, oh man, I was under, you know, mask, gloves, not able to talk to people. It just wasn't me. And so at the time I went back and I, and I called Jeff and I said, Hey, you know, I'll take you up on that offer and that lunch that you wanted to have because this isn't working out. And so it was funny because I I didn't know, I had to wait for him to come back into the restaurant that I worked at and fate had it that he came in the next day. And so we exchanged life stories. I talked to him about my vision board. He's like, I I can get you there and try it out and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you know, it's it's, it's all good. I didn't realize it until later. Like he's just a, a servant leader is what I call him. I mean, he's always looking at people's potential and trying to help them reach their full potential. And I didn't really realize it until years later how profound that type of work is for him. But yeah, long story short, I started off as a recruiter, moved into sales, and then managed several areas of the company and then created that service line. So the the lesson there is just, you know, surrounding yourself, I guess proximity, but surrounding yourself with mentors and the right people was step number one for me in my 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 healing journey and and my journey to success. I was still fueled by survival, I think, for the most part of my career there. But it's, I would say, maybe near the end, for me, it was really reconnecting with, and I I did a lot of therapy, of course. EMDR specifically is really great therapy for post-traumatic stress and some of the things that I had went through. So this is an FYI. So therapy, great people, and then uh, reconnecting with my Christian faith was huge. That was really what... I like to say it's uh, God has the power to heal within decades of therapy. And so for me, that happened early 30s. I'm 36. I'll be, no, I'll be, I actually just turned 37 now. And so that didn't happen until early 30s that I really was able to heal from the inside out from those experience, from those mentors, from reconnecting with my faith. And <clears throat> when I say heal from the inside out, I mean, able to finally trust again, be vulnerable, have humility, be authentic, and the list goes on. And so now that also helped me be able to get married. And and here I am about to give birth. And so another test to really kind of heal and and work on, on the right things. And, you know, I guess be more purposeful and meaningful as opposed to the materialism that I was attached to for so long. Thank you for sharing that. 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wow. You mentioned you were mentored and, and you call him a mentor. What did that look like? What was it like? Because there's a lot of like, you know, formal mentorship relationships and informal. What, what was it like for you? Was it like a once a month? Was it just proximity? Was it working beside each other? Yeah, no, it's a good question. We just wrote a blog on this recently at Staff Shop. There's this rhetoric these days about men versus women or women versus men or women asking for a seat at the table. And we had to just kind of encourage people to scrap that us versus them and really build your own table. Or remember that there are also men out there or women that can clear the path for you. And Jeff was one of those people for me. He really cleared the path. I mean, I did the work. And I worked extremely hard, but he was able to kind of position those opportunities. Um, I could have squandered them. I didn't. So again, when they come, you've got to know and recognize them and take them. But it didn't just end there. I mean, I have a mentor for almost everything. I've got 12 or 14 different coaches and I just loved being coached. I really wanted to do well and, uh, and I wanted to give back and I wanted to make a difference in the world and help other people. And the only way I could do that is heal myself first and then equip myself with the right resources. So to this day, I mean, I have a, co- I have a business coach, I have a, a coach that will help me on the financial side of things, a sales coach, a personal one, and the list goes on. So they, they come around for different things, different seasons. And it's almost like a golf club set. Take them out and connect with them for, for different things. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, inspiration, you know, if, if your challenge maybe to anyone that's listening, those that have the chance to open a door or, or kind of a push things aside that are barriers, look what happens when uh, you know, your own story, look what happened to you when someone mm-hmm. did that for you. 
Absolutely. And now the greatest gift is I'm, I want to do that for other people. So that was the first order of business in purchasing and, and owning staff shop is just how can I help the people that work with me for me? How can I help develop them? It's not about me anymore at all. Because there was many years where it was right being the star sales rep. And so, and there's nothing more fulfilling than being able to give back and to serve others. That That's the biggest lesson. That's amazing. So provinces, you know, the federal government are all looking for ways to, you know, rapid reskill, you know, empower and train up, uh, you know, a new workforce for what we call like the new collar economy, right? We got mm-hmm. blue collar, white collar, but this kind of even new, you know, digital currency and, you know, marketing ecosystem. What would be your advice if you could speak to the federal government and the provincial governments that all figuring out what to do with this funds to, to empower people? What do you think they should really do with that money? Oh, man. Speaking of the government, I'm just praying for this election day. Let's see how it goes. But we live in such a divided world right now. It's a little scary. I wish it wasn't so divided. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to say what people are going to do. But if but if you could you just wave a magic wand and and just say like, you know, and, and colors aside, orange, blue, red, you know, green, whatever your color is, what would you love for whoever is ruling to, to do with that, those pots of money for, for skills training? Yeah, for skills training. I mean, I'm praying for servant leadership, number one, and uh, and for people to really lean on diversity and inclusion and equality these days. Uh, I think that there's just, especially with all the news that we've been finding out on the Indigenous side, we've really missed the mark as a country in those sections. And so I think that in, starting with Indigenous, because that's what I am, I would teach more of that in school. I didn't even know anything about my own history until I was taught maybe five or six years ago. And so really kind of getting that kind of education into the school system would be great. Even educating people on politics themselves. I still can't believe that half the population doesn't vote. It just blows my mind, but I can believe it in a way because we were never, I mean, other than my grade 10 class in high school, I didn't really know much about politics. And unless you take it in college or university, it's hard to sometimes understand and to know where to get information. And so I think some people are just discouraged and they're like, well, I don't know. So I'm not going to vote. And so I've been spending a lot of time. Global Mail did an 18 topics or thoughts and and then they broke down every party's opinion or kind of their whatever policies on those 18 things, which I thought was really good. I, I read it and I was like, this is amazing. It was like the most educational piece of politics I've read in there. Absolutely. That's funny that you say that. I just sent that to my team this morning. Like, remember to vote and here are the resources. Even the vote compass, if you are not sure, you can answer some questions and it'll kind of point you to the party that you might be more connected with or aligned with. But um, yeah, it's pretty wild. And, And so I'd love to see more of that. I'd also love to see some more training and education on just how just life, paying bills, how to save money, how to invest money. Again, these are all hard lessons that you only find out later in life. And unless you take this stuff in school, specifically in college or university, most people just don't know how to set themselves up for success. Waste what a lot is of a time. mortgage? What is a yeah. mortgage? I- yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds basic, but I'm like, why aren't they teaching more of this in school? You know, yeah. like biology is great and stuff, but we've, yeah. we've got to be able to, you know, equip our, our youth to be able to lead and and they're the next, you know, generation. And so it's sometimes scary. I look at organizations, I'm like, mm, who's going to replace this CEO or COO? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of challenges right now in the labor market. Yeah. We're seeing it a lot as a staffing agency deploying people across the country. So 
huge, huge shortage. And the other thing is um, when I go back to the divide, I just mean if you take vaccinations, for example, or mandatory vaccinations, <clears throat> it puts us in an in a awkward spot as an agency because we're the employer of record. We want to be careful about discrimination. We want to honor human rights. And so there are some clients that we have that absolutely respect privacy laws and, and human rights. And there are some clients that are absolutely on the other side and saying, no, I only want vaccinated staff and I need you to make that happen. And so we're in a, an awkward position where it's like, okay, well, here are clients that want this and here are clients that want that. And we're just encouraging our, our employees to work wherever it is that they're comfortable. But these are the types of things that we've never really had to face before. So it's interesting time. And for you and kind of being in the B2B industry, business to business, how are you finding kind of the marketing or where are you seeing kind of the wins or people are hearing about your organization? Well, things like this, podcasts like this have been huge. I've been on several nice. podcasts. Social media, of course, is is huge. And I think you got to follow the trends. I mean, there's always something new coming up. Like now it's TikTok. So, um, but have you, have uh, you got a staff shop TikTok account yet? I actually don't. We only have Instagram and Facebook. We don't even have Twitter you you need a full-time person to manage this oh, yeah. and uh and even our facebook and social media we have someone on it all the time but um yeah you really need someone that's driving content constantly and my focus really as the founder and ceo is more so on the brand i do a lot of work there and uh, make sure that we're consistently kind of keeping that promise that we're making to clients i mean that's really the definition of a value proposition and and so a lot of the work goes into that but when i started the business I was everything. I was the sales, the marketing, the operations, and important to have people that are that are really qualified in that area. And once the brand is clear and people are very clear on the purpose and the mission and vision and the values, and you're hiring people that are aligned with those values, then the marketing, it's easy because um, people even internally are feeding us all kinds of content. But yeah, I would say speaking engagements, this virtual world that we're living in, podcasts have been huge these days. And then we'll see. We'll see what develops and what this new normal is going to look like. Wow. That's what, what are the biggest requests you get right now? What are the kind of the trends you're seeing when it comes to staffing? So during the pandemic, we pivoted to staffing essential services quite a bit. A lot of long-term care homes, really sad, really tough to work in because mm -hmm. you're sending in employees that are almost guaranteed to get COVID, have to get tested all the time. Not fun, not fun for the team at all, but we're like, hey, you know, we, we've got to be there for our clients. What else can we possibly help them with? And that's what they needed help with. So those requests are still coming in. And then IT is always booming. IT's never stopped for years. And then hospitality is coming back. So it is exciting. It's just, this is the tough one that's come back that seems more divided than anyone else. And so these are the clients that uh, are afraid because their clients have different requirements. And so we're trying to navigate this. And we're also trying not to trailblaze at the same time or put the cart in front of the horse because there are no such laws fully in place yet. And so we don't want to move too fast. And so talking to a lot of employment lawyers and, and people that are giving us advice on how best to move forward one day at a time. But um, yeah, this is very new. And uh, there are cases right now in court to kind of maybe set precedents, but there are no precedents right now. So it's a weird spot to be in. Yeah. Very weird. Speaking of CCAB, I just got my CCAB box 
uh, in the mail today, which is very exciting for their big upcoming event. Give me some of that, your, your favorite part about being a member of the CCAB. You know, Tabitha Bull and the team run an amazing organization, but what do you love about it specifically? They're so great. Speaking of the box, I got one as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be on a panel, I think, this week and maybe another one in November. I love CCAB. They have really connected me with the right organizations on the Indigenous side. I have to say, like, they've got a lot of great Indigenous talent and businesses that they are connected to. They're also really great at providing tools to help businesses. And you might actually be able to find some of the staff shop tools that we volunteered and sent over to add to their website. Just a couple reminders on, you know, if you're a startup, how to certain things to, to set your business up for success or through the pandemic. These are some of the ways that we're handling COVID protocols and, you know, just trying to help other entrepreneurs and, and businesses. And they're always also kind of throwing out opportunities, events, grants, a really great organization to be partnered with. Very, very unique compared to the others. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Where can people find you if they want to reach out, get involved, you know, get staff from Staff Shop, where can they go? Yeah. I mean, you can always email info at staffshop.ca. That'll go to my entire team. Staffshop.ca is our website. Uh, You can find us under the Staff Shop name on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. And uh, my name as well is uh, Jennifer Menard Chand on LinkedIn. Amazing. Amazing. I actually um, also, now that you say it, I have a um, jmenardshand.com website. So Ooh. if you're interested on the speaking side of things, yes. you can take a peek there and see what I normally speak about and some of the topics and clients that I've worked with. So that's another that's one amazing. to check out. Do you, have a, do you have a book or resource coming down the pipeline? Have you been convinced yet to... Uh... Put a pen to paper. Yeah, you know, it's funny with the book. So I I used to say this to my old boss, like I have to write a book someday. I have to write yeah. a book. Yeah. And I'm totally going to write a book, but really trying to figure out the structure of it. You know, is it going to be a trilogy? Is it going to be a series of storytelling or stories? Because I have so much to say in so many different topics, right? And there's so many different yeah. pieces to my life. And so to put this all into one book might be a bit of a a dump and a waste. I, I want to try to structure it as best as I can. The last thing I want to do is write it and have to dump it or rewrite it. And so someone came to me the other day and said, well, now that you're going to be a mom, maybe one avenue is letters to my daughter. And so mm. I thought that that was pretty cool, that that would be a good place to start because it's almost like my blog yeah. on the Staff Shop website. We pick a bunch of different topics that are relevant to us and that we have experience yeah. in and we write about them. So yeah, if anyone has any advice on the book writing, there's tons to say. And once I start writing, which I already have, it, it pours out, but it's how to yeah. structure it all. That's that's going to be the key. Yeah. Was it Jody Wilson-Raybould, who is just here in Vancouver, has a new book coming out. And so I went to go, oh, I was so excited. I'm going to check out this book. And then I realized she had a previous book already out. And so the new one I couldn't get yet. So I, I got the other one on my Kindle. And it's actually a series of speeches she gave over the years. Okay. And so in the same way, you know, letters to my daughter, you know, she wrote, she put together a book of, you know, speeches to people, like kind of encouragement, inspiration, and every speech was a different group of people. And it's been so fun to read because it's kind of like, you know, she spent all this time putting these speeches together, which in turn, I can now read and get the insights from. So I, I don't have her newest book, but this book I can highly, highly recommend. Oh, that's a really good idea. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. No. And if you, you know, great book on Kindle. 
Um, and I think I, you know, Jody Wilson-Raybould, I think she's running again for MP in the Granville area writing, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, very inspired by her, her book there. So, oh, very good. I'll uh, check it out. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Very inspiring. Very cool. We'll put all the links in the show notes as well and on the website. And I look forward to hearing more and watching your journey as you uh, continue to grow Staff Shop into the amazing resource and kind of multi-channeled support that it is to so many businesses across Canada and Thank around the you. world. Thank you. I appreciate it. No one makes it alone. So appreciate the time and the support. Yeah. It sounds like you stand on the shoulders of giants in your life, which is, uh, which is really incredible and, and amazing story about mentors who have come alongside you. And now you proactively finding those mentors in your life is, is pretty cool. Absolutely. And being one is the best. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Darian. Thanks everyone for joining us this episode of Marketing News Canada. And we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.